there, Quinn. I'm just a curious little rhino. Chicago. Picture not show up. <clears throat> oh, it's going. Is this the first podcast we've done since we've been married? Yeah, I was actually just thinking that I just changed your name on there from Mary Kate Lee to Mary Kate Scott. That's funny. Isn't it? Got a new you're a new guest on the show today. <laughs> I'm a new woman. A new human being. That is funny. I was just thinking that. We haven't done... I think the last one we did, didn't you want to do one the night before we got married? Or two nights prior? Yeah, that week. Yeah. I wanted to do one. We never did, though. No, we totally did. We did? Yes. We absolutely did one. Oh, okay. It was short, I remember. Hmm. That's the one where... I tested this setup. Yes. The audio didn't come out. It was like very fucked up mm. because I had so many connection was, cords and shit. Yes. It was very yeah. soft and we couldn't really hear it. I even should get rid of one of these extension cords. I don't wonder if that would help. Man, that'd be kind of cutting close though. Your string is probably beating up on your mic right now on your sweatshirt. Oh, gotta get rid of my strings. Gotta be stringless. Gotta be stringless. One thing I don't like about these mics, though, the audio's not as good as the the boom arm ones. I miss the headphones, too. But yeah. We have to talk about something more interesting because people actually listen to this now. <laughs> we did. That's funny how it just, like, popped up on his TV. Yeah. I wonder how he got there. He, he must have been on, like, some kind of podcast app, right? He wasn't watching video. It wasn't YouTube. Oh. It must have been them. Because it's not on Spotify, is it? Well, he would have said if he was on Spotify. I don't I'm think sure. it's on Spotify. It's on Apple and Google and... I think, like, Stitcher and most of the main ones. I think. I don't even fucking know, to be honest with you. I... Do you realize you're feeling your head right now? Yeah. Oh, you got the double hand action. Do you do yeah. that during? Do you do that during calls? Do I do that during calls? No, I think I just pace during calls and talk with my hands. On video? Oh, not on video. I'm sorry. I you said calls. I thought like me holding a speakerphone in one hand and like talking and pacing around the room in the other. <clears throat> um, on video, I don't think I do. I lean up on the standing desk a lot. I know you've said this is distracting. It's so distracting. So is you pulling on your facial hair, dude. Because you pull your skin down with it. So it looks like you're deforming. <laughs> I'm serious. It looks like you're deforming your face. It's so distracting. That I do very naturally. I know you do. You do it all the time. <clears throat> I'm always, like, jittery and shit. Do you have ADHD? I feel like I must. Played a shitload of video games growing up. <laughs> do you have a... Those, those kept me in one spot, though. Do you have trouble paying attention? Sometimes. Well, everyone does sometimes. Uh, I feel like my attention span has definitely gotten shorter over the years, to be honest with you. With the rise of technology, yeah, that makes sense. <clears throat> yeah, but even like... You're not special. No, but... I even think about me playing video games as a kid. And not even as a kid. As like an 18-year-old. 17-year-old. Like... Okay. There's kid late, but like i'm a i'm a young adult at that point right under law <laughs> if that's the marker you want to use sure i would not call an 18 year old an adult young adult i would call me a young adult well you're over the hill <laughs> <laughs> um, am i just an old crab though yeah you're just senile and shit uh no, I, I think about me playing video games 
and you can ask my mom, I would sit in front of that TV for fucking hours. Like, I would forget to eat. Like, are you serious? I wouldn't forget to eat, but like, I wouldn't stop playing video games and have a meal. I would grab a bag of pretzels and like make sure I keep playing my fucking game. Oh yeah. But like, we just watched a South Park episode with that idea. But um. I don't know. I don't have that kind of attention span anymore. I don't think, or maybe that's just me being addicted to video games. Maybe you have a, that tendency as well. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. So that's the other thing. Is that really attention span, or is that just addiction? But you're super fidgety. Mm-hmm. That's why I suggested ADHD. And the really sad part is. You could go to a doctor and be like, hey, I'm really fidgety and I'm having trouble focusing and. Give me drugs. Yeah. And he'd write you a prescription for Adderall. That's crazy. Most. I, I shouldn't check Maybe I need it though. <laughs> what do I need? I don't think you need Adderall. So what? No, I agree. What do I need? Meditation. To stop fidgeting. Body awareness? Yeah, they're all just habits and tendencies. It's a, it's a habit loop in your brain. It's unconscious. Right. I'm sorry it's distracting to you. I'm just going to start doing it. <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm going to start doing it when you do it. Just so, just so you know how often you do it. Well... Do it in your own way. Don't you don't have to like mirror me. No, that's the point. That's the exact point. I'm not gonna make up my own fidget. I'm gonna mirror you so you can see how fucking distracting this is when you're talking to someone. It's ridiculous. You need to go a little slower. That's distracting. I know. No, because if you're, you're right. if you've got a calm pace, like then it kind of just flows. No, no. the calmer pace is oddly really sensual, if I'm being honest. You literally it's rub, sensual. you rub, yeah, dude, you rub your whole hand, like, base of, for those of you listening and not watching, the base of your wrist, the top of your wrist, base of your palm, yeah. to the fucking tallest point of your pointer, or middle finger, yeah. your entire palm is on your head, and you are very slowly caressing your head, and you can tell you're enjoying it. <laughs> I know, dude. <laughs> I can tell that you like the feeling of your entire GD palm. I'm literally trying not to swear because my dad told me that he would listen to an episode of this. <laughs> so, you're welcome, Dad. I already dropped a few off bombs. Just go for it. Come on. No, he's right. I should clean up my language. The world could listen to this. Yes. My point is, you have to stop that. It's incredibly distracting. Hmm. What if I, like, did this and just, like, played with my hair during conversation? What if I was just constantly just playing with my hair (laughs) as we talked? Having a meaningful conversation, mind you, because you also do it when I think you're thinking. Yes. Definitely. (laughs) Isn't it scary how much I can describe your behavior back to you and be accurate? Or am I just predictable? Oh, I live with you. (laughs) And I know you very well. And you're predictable as humans are. Anyway. What else do you want to talk about? We can talk about my final project for CAP. Because I have no idea what I'm going to do. I thought you were going to put together a workshop. A part of me... A positive psychology workshop. A part of me wants to pull the pants off of everyone. And show them the framework of a course something more substantial than a workshop by using like piaget's developmental theory not piaget's not that person erickson that's what i'm thinking of um like like actually creating a a a course or at least a series of things off of uh a theoretical framework having it be like grounded in something Instead of just, you know what I mean? Like, applying what I've learned 
to adolescents by using Erickson's. Like, Erickson has a bunch of information about human development. Right. So I could pick out what he says about adolescents and use that to inform the information I use and how I communicate it. I think that's a good idea. And, like, definitely, uh, like, helps to have a framework and grounded in something. Like, you, duh, yes, it should be grounded in something. It shouldn't be not grounded in something, right? Like, I guess. I guess that that's almost a given, right? Not necessarily. <clears throat> but you're saying you're taking a very specific application of this thing. So, okay. one thing I thought of just now was, like, He's, it's his theory on adolescent growth. Human development. Human development. Um, I think. It's been a long time since I've I thought you used the word adolescent, but anyway. I did. He has, his theory breaks the human existence or lifespan down into developmental periods. Adolescence is a developmental period which is within a person's lifespan. Okay. Is that like, are his theories the end all be all on that? Or are there like other, he, he's are like, there other perspectives and in, in things that it would be beneficial to like bring into it? You know what I'm getting at? I mean, like, do you think that's, being... not, that's not the right question. Cause I can say yes to both things <clears throat> you just said. He's, he's like a. He's like one of the classic people you learned about when you learned about human development and psychology. He's the equivalent to like Piaget and Pavlov's dog and those things in human development. Yeah, but Pavlov, Pavlov's dog doesn't tell the whole story of how humans behave, of, of course. course. It's one theory. So, yes, yeah. I can use his theory as a baseline because it's a theory for a reason, proven to be accurate and reflects, depict a person's lifespan, I guess. Right. Um, but of course, there's other theories and ways I can would you resources I can use to inform the program or the, the thing. Yeah. Okay. The way of you course, explained it, yeah. the, the way you explained it was just like it's like we're just talking about this one guy and his thoughts and in, in applying only his thoughts. To, no, to I'm literally thing. going to Google like how to apply positive psychology to adolescents and see what comes up and then go to Google Scholar and look up some of Eric Erickson's work. I guess I could just Google that too because he's so well known. You could you could probably find like well, I guess depending on the resource. I know some sites have academic journals that they cite. Depending mm -hmm. on the blog I guess, but that's a cool idea. Yeah, it's just it'll consume my whole weekend, which is absolutely fine. I was also just thinking, um, I remember when we were, when we were first talking about this, um, I said like I would create something for people our age mm -hmm. or maybe a little younger college graduates, yeah. um, helping them navigate finding a job and something that, or at least doing something that's meaningful to them. Yeah. Um, I was thinking of doing that too. I have the cadence. I told you about this. I had the, the cadence of the topics that I want to use to guide that whole thing too. Um, Would you like to refresh me? Start with mindset because that's what is perspective and lens. Um, honestly, it's whenever I... I was thinking about this and I was getting very granular, which is good because the PERMA model, PERMA V model, everything, all the pathways to flourishing as the model states, they're so connected, obviously, that it's it's hard for me to parse out one thing from another. Like if I talk about mindset, I feel like I have to talk about the broad and build theory of positive emotions and I feel like I have to talk about gratitude. And, it spirals very, very quickly, and I know that's a me problem. I have to get better at siloing the concepts out. Um, so, but anyway, I'm thinking of doing mindset, which would lead to. I would probably do something with like resilient thinking as the foundation of it. 
because that's managing your internal dialogue is very important, obviously. And then probably shift to mindfulness like super, super briefly. Go right into strengths work. Um, maybe like motivation, which also would be short. Goal meeting and then all of that filling it, fitting into uh finding your your calling or your purpose or at least getting closer to that or like learning more about yourself <laughs> as you go through this yeah self-awareness is pretty important yeah that's a cool idea i don't know if it would be more beneficial i could probably ask my class i don't know if it would be more beneficial to to open the whole thing the i don't know what the title of it would be but the purpose of it would be to have people our age get more clarity on like what it is they want to do in the world how to activate their potential as I wrote on my website um and so I guess the descriptor would be like learn ways to activate your potential and uncover your purpose or like discover your purpose or gain clarity on like what it is you you want to contribute to the world or something like that the first thing that came to my mind was getting to know yourself yeah that's essentially what it would be um and doing that so i kind of want to make it at least at least like a, a rough draft. I think all we have to have for our final project is proof of concept. So I could technically just do an outline of it, I think, yeah, and get away with yeah. it. But I'd, I'd rather show them something that's a little bit more. I have logos to put on my PowerPoint slides. <laughs> you could always like, if you had like video trainings for each topic too, you could just do like one of them. Dude, this is due on Tuesday. I have to submit it this weekend. I can't do that for Oh, right, right. I switched around. Yeah, that takes time. I didn't commit to a final project. I did. It was the children's book, and then I switched gears, and I thought it was going to be on my website, but that's boring. So I'm going to make something instead. I think it's really cool how you were saying that all the topics bleed into each other. Like, if you talk about this, then you got to talk about this, and... I feel that way. You don't. You. It's. I feel that way because I know it all. Mm-hmm. So it's like... And I'm, I'm trying to, to get the ju- the most juice from the squeeze for the person, right? I'm trying to give the person as much knowledge as I can. So I'm, I'm like, yeah, if you're going to talk about positive emotion, you have to highlight gratitude. You have to. There's, there's so much potential to do good for a person when they learn the benefits of gratitude and the power it actually has when put into practice. But now I'm I'm noodling over bridging mindfulness and gratitude together via savoring, and then also having savoring be a bridge between experiencing pleasure and positive emotion and having meaning in life. I got like I like twitch thinking about all these things. <laughs> like you just rub your head and say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have to get I have to get creating i have to get creative have you thought more about uh like the first uh like core workshop you want to offer or, Def- or definitely type of... for a workshop it would be the, the love your elephant not necessarily a workshop but your first offering i'm so I'm viewing workshops and courses as similar but different things, like a rectangle and square situation. Um, it depends on what the person would want. The courses, I'm gonna, I'll develop two um, that will be canned. So here's the outline, here's the content. Um, You're still teaching them live though? Yeah. Okay. Yes. 
courses would be canned, workshops would be customizable. And if they want a five-week workshop series, and that's what they want to call it, they don't want to call it a course, then whatever. <clears throat> if Is it's it... completely customized, it would I would they would need to give me time to make it, and I would charge them for that, obviously. But I could update the. I have so many weird one-off things from conferences and stuff that. I could embellish, not embellish, I don't know why I, that word came to mind, um, <laughs> develop the concept further and use them very yeah. easily. Have you thought about, like, so is Love Your Elephant one of those? I'm low-key obsessed with that. That whole, like... What's the... Can you give me the, the gist of it? Yeah, gladly. <clears throat> of the, the talk I gave? The little workshop thing you did? Or just the concept of the elephant and the rider? No, the, the workshop. Um, what time is it? What it's about in 7.42. Okay. Um, so I, I called it Love Your Elephant, Working With Your Worried Mind. Um, Drawing from Jonathan Haidt's analogy of the elephant and the rider. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna explain it briefly for people who are, are not listening to this. I don't know what it is. For all you non-listeners out there um, that aren't listening. The, the analogy is an analogy of the brain and its functions. So um, for simplicity's sake, you could say that we have two brains one of which is called your core brain, also your emotional, your ancient, your lizard brain. Um, it's home to your fight or flight response. Its functions serve as the four Fs, fight, flight, freeze, or fornicate. Um, your amygdala is there. A lot of people know that part of the brain. Um, it's a, it's a, an incredibly dense part of your brain. There's a lot of neurons and neuropathways, dense pathway in that part of your brain, so it can have very strong reactions or invoke really strong emotional reactions to things, to your environment and stuff. Um, and that's the elephant. So an elephant as an animal in nature, it's very strong, very wise, very powerful, and can be, can cause a lot of damage if it's not tamed or if it's out of control, which like your core brain can wreak a lot of internal havoc if it's not um, controlled or harnessed in some way. Um, and then the rider is the second part of your brain, which is the neocortex, um, it's also called your human brain, your modern brain, um, and that's basically like your forehead and, and onward. Um, it's your prefrontal cortex, home to your executive function, so you're able to think rationally, critically, problem solve, um, plan ahead, things like that. With mm. your, um, it's like the human rational reasoning part of your brain. Um, and it's not as strong as the elephant. It's not as densely packed with neurons, like <clears throat> volume wise. The core brain's not more bang for its buck. So there's. Because it's older, right? Yeah. More older, therefore has more time to develop. Um, so these two parts of your brain, the elephant and the rider, are constantly at odds with one another because your elephant um, is liking, likely judging your. Like you're judging yourself, you're having worry thoughts here. Um, it's the reactive, the emotional part of a human. And um, the rider is constantly trying to like control the elephant and reason with it. So like, for example, when you are in a really tall building and the floor is glass and you can see down 100 feet below you, you're still really nervous even though you you know you're not going to, to fall because you have a floor underneath you, you're still nervous and on edge or whatever, that's your elephant talking to you like, this isn't, I'm uncomfortable, I'm not safe, there's uncertainty here, all of that yeah. stuff. But you, you, you rationally know, like, I'm not going to die, it's fine. Because if you're a caveman with that view, <laughs> you were in some fucking trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So that's an example of the two parts of your brain being at odds with one another. Um, ways to strengthen your writers through meditation, mindfulness practices. Um, but the whole idea, which like 
introduces the idea of self-compassion is that you have to love your elephant and like work with it not like force it or beat it up mm-hmm. um so that's the analogy and then i introduced the scarf model which is basically states that there's five things that freak your elephant out when triggered um they are what's the s status certainty autonomy relatedness and fairness give me those again status status certainty autonomy relatedness and fairness interesting so if these things are threatened you're gonna feel like a boundary's been crossed you're gonna feel stressed out in some way yeah um you care for this no you just said you introduced the scarf model Yes, I introduced the concept of the scarf model in my talk. I did not come up with a scarf oh, model. Oh, I'm sorry. I Okay, go on. I apologize. Um, so I said there's a reason why your elephant's freaking out. There's a reason why you're anxious. It's because yeah. when you're a college student in the middle of a pandemic, there's a chance that all five of these things are triggered at the, usually at the same time. And the more items on that in that acronym that are triggered simultaneously, the stronger your emotional reaction is. Makes sense. Um, so I kind of just like gave them an, ex- an explanation for why their elephant's freaking out, <clears throat> which I hope with that understanding, they were able to have a little bit more compassion for themselves and really harp on that. Um, ow. And then I introduced ways to work with your elephant. Um, and so I, I spoke on two of the three ways, and then the last way is an activity that I explained and then had them do in breakout groups. Worst case, best case, most likely. Mm. Um, but it's when you first learn it, the activity is way more intense than intense and extensive. Um, what? Intensive and extensive than what we do. So, um, how when you first learn it, what you do is you identify the adversity or the trigger, and then you write down all of the thoughts you have. So you you normally do it with a partner. So say your adversity is you your car died, right? R.I.P. So that's your trigger. What's your first thought after hearing that your car died? money gone and then what happened and then what happens this is like okay so before you start this is like worst case like not realistically worst case scenario like the absolute worst case like you are homeless in 10 years situation because hmm. this exercise is for people oh. who catastrophize 10 years is a good amount of time so you would give your first thought i would say and then what happens and we would keep going until your thoughts were exhausted but i would be writing them down as you say them so then I go back through and I say, given that your car just died, what's the percentage likelihood that you won't have any money? 5%. Given that your car just died, what's the like percentage likelihood that you'll have to move in with your parents because you don't have any money? 0%. So you keep doing that for every single thought you had. You give a percentage likelihood of that actually happening. You do the same thing for the best case. You do the same thing for most likely. Mm-hmm. And then once you're in that order, and then once you're done with the most likely scenario, you create an action plan for what to do. So most likely scenario, given that your car just died, I will talk to a bunch of people and make the most informed decision on how to go about yeah. this and will likely have to boost my emergency fund again yeah fork over a bunch of money for a new fuel tank and a fuel pump how much money was it gonna cost i think it's gonna be like 2500 bucks good thing we have an emergency fund yeah well so my dad made a good point i was talking to him about it yesterday he was saying like because i've been hemming and hawing over this i'm sorry to change the topic i want to go back to that but um he said like you know if the 
there's 140,000 miles on it. The rest of the car is good and like fine. I mean, it's a it's a Hyundai. It's it's not you know American made. It's not going to break down and shit. So <laughs> as long like if putting twenty five hundred dollars into it is going to get me another year, two years, three years, then is that worth it? Like probably. Like I'm, I'm he the way he said it. I'm twenty five hundred dollars away from a working car, a working vehicle. Versus like having to buy, I get rid of it for five hundred, all jacked up, and then have to spend a bunch of money on a new car, or or don't get a car, but like you know. We could honestly, especially with us probably being locked down, I think or already being locked down. He could manage with one car. Oh, he totally manages one car. I'm not worried about it at all. <clears throat> um, but I was also thinking about if I were to get rid of it, what I would do. And I wouldn't get rid of it in the condition it's in now. I would get more money for it. Like, I'd, I'd net more money by getting it fixed, having it detailed, putting a handle on the door, and then selling it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... It makes sense to get a fix either way. I support. Yeah. Fuel tank and fuel pump, though. Not easy fixes. Not cheap fixes. What can you do? Car's old. 2010. Still rocking it. Still got a... The, the dude told me on the phone, too. He goes, you know, it's still got a good engine. Like, these things you don't usually break down or anything. And... You know, you've had brake work done, like all this stuff. Like you, let it ride. Let it ride. Leave the chips on the table, baby. See what happens. Patsy's gonna live. Patsy's gonna live. Patsy. <laughs> Happy to hear that. Yeah, but um, I might sell it anyway, but we'll see. You gotta cheat on Patsy. <laughs> That's how I feel about Fanny. Really. It's so strange how I have an emotional reaction, or uh, not like a strong one. I'm not. That's not like a, a thing I should go to therapy for. But th- I've just had so many good memories and road trips in that car, even before I met you. Three years at Oswego mm-hmm. with her. So many road trips. Slept in the back of her so many times, mm-hmm. mostly with you. Yeah. But I like, do that again. Like, dude, I would do that this weekend. Let's just go to a campsite and do it. Campsite. It's gonna be cold though. I'm not gonna sleep in the parking lot of our <laughs> apartment building in Fanny. Okay, we get some sleeping bags and some long johns. Stop being a Nancy. <laughs> Poor Nancy. <laughs> Poor Nancy's listening to this. She's like, what the fuck did I do? Karen's got it way worse than Nancy. Karen has it way worse than Nancy. That is true. Being a Karen. I know a very nice woman named Karen. She was my third grade teacher, and I. She's a lovely woman. Poor bastard. Anyway. I'm excited for you about the workshop. I. That's a, that's a great idea. I just have to make and it, that could be applied to like anybody too. I mean, yeah, I would have me as the facilitator would have to filter or not filter, adapt what I'd say to each audience, obviously, because the examples or the conversations that we'd have for sixteen-year-olds even would be different than twenty-five-year-olds versus forty-year-olds. So. Um, I mean, but just thinking about, like, I don't know, you could do that with high school kids, you could do that with camp counselors, camp counselors, mothers, uh, like, divorcees, like, you, you could do so many, so many things with that. Veterans. Veterans, yeah. Yeah, that'd be, well, that might be a little sticky. Would that? I would not feel comfortable doing that. I was gonna say, would that be more of a, a PhD psychologist job, like? 
that every veteran has PTSD. But doesn't, like... It's a vulnerable population, so I wouldn't touch it. Not only that, but, like, not every veteran has PTSD, but... I don't know, anybody who goes to combat is going to have something. Like, just because in the same way that anybody who has a childhood has something. You know the the saying, of course. Sorry. (laughs) You know, your childhood fucks you up. Like, even if it's great. It's just, it's molds you. Family fucks you up. So, yeah. Oh, is that it? It's one and the same. Okay. But, I don't know, I would think anybody who's been in combat has, like, a little bit of something just because of that very yeah, reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still wouldn't. I'm not familiar with that at all. Yeah. I would not. I would not know how to respond. Yeah. But yeah. well, I've gotten so comfortable, and if, like this is not a given, or I'm sorry, this is a given. It's not surprising. I say I don't know. To people, be like. I have literally said, I'm sorry, I don't really have a good answer for you, but I could offer you information that would help you understand why you're feeling that way. And they say, yeah, please. And then, yeah. I, and then I say it, and I say, I hope that's helpful. And they're like, yep, that's extremely helpful. Thank you. It's still resolve. It's not In like... In some way. But think about it. They're getting, aside from the activity, right, they're getting information from you on how to you know, navigate something, how mm-hmm. to deal with a problem. How to get from point A to point B. If you point them to something, like, that also does that, it doesn't matter that it's not coming from your mouth. Like, they just care. Like, in their point of view, they're just like, I just want to resolve on this. I don't care if it you tell me or this blog you show me tells me or, mm-hmm. like, and therefore, but you provided that. So you're obviously still thanks for it. Mm-hmm. I'm the messenger, which is a good thing in that case. Right. Yeah, I um. I didn't. I didn't want to do a podcast to talk about me. (coughs) I'm sorry. I did not mean for this to evolve the way it did. You're fine. I'm enjoying this. I. uh, I think it's important to say I don't know when you don't know something. I mean, yeah, of course you, like, yes, but because I've just, it just so happens that I've had a lot of speaking engagements recently, so I don't realize that. Going rate is $100. (laughs) More than that. That's, that's not true. Um, that was my train of thought. That's my train of thought. Sorry. Love and speaking engagements recently. It's important to say you don't know when you don't oh, know. Yes. It's incredibly empowering for mm-hmm. me. Be like, I'm only human. I can only off like sorry, I don't know. But 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 to supplement it with like if I have something to share, I will. And mostly I usually I can think on my feet fast enough where I can offer them something that's remotely helpful. But to be explicit and be like, see, like, to me, that's, and that's, I've learned this with watching people facilitate and with public speaking in general, you, it's almost like you're painfully explicit with what you're feeling, thinking, and doing because you're, it's like you're, you're externalizing what you would probably do subconsciously. For example when I'm giving a presentation, I'll say something like, and the reason I, the reason I brought this up or, and next we're going to talk about this, but I like to, I like to, I did this the other day, for example, on my agenda, I said, we're going to cover, we're going to first talk about the benefits of positive emotions that we're going to go through. So the first slide says, positive emotions or whatever. The second slide says the negativity bias. So instead of just jumping into the negativity bias when I just told them that we were going to talk about positive emotion, that doesn't make sense. So I tell them my explanation of why I did that. So I said, so 
I first like to lead off with talking about positive emotion with talking about negative emotion. So we're going to talk about the negativity bias and then I'm going to contrast it with the benefit of positive emotion. I wouldn't normally say that because that's just my reasoning when I'm creating the experience and that's information that I filed away. But to bring that to light for them, it gives more clarity and context as to why I made the decision I did. It makes for a way better experience Mm -hmm. because you're on the same page as them the entire time. You're more clear, you're more communicative, and your whole thing makes more sense. Yeah, that makes sense. They, they, if you do something like say, hey, I'm going to talk about positive emotions, and then the next slide says negativity bias on there. If you don't say anything, they're going to be like, what the fuck, right? Like, but this I wouldn't, isn't positive emotion. I wouldn't have, when I first started doing, doing speaking engagements, for lack of a better phrase, I wouldn't have done that. Really? Those are, yes, those are skills that I have observed people do who have given fantastic talks and i'm like oh they're like being so painfully explicit about every single little thing they're thinking they're feeling and they're doing and guess what i know exactly what their intentions are and why they did what they did and everything makes more sense um i read something once that makes sense this is this is why i'm telling you this I read something once that you can pretty much say anything, then say the word because and say almost anything else and people will go with it. That's called your meaning making brain. You can literally tell yourself any fucking story you want over any phenomena that happens in your life, good or bad, because we have to make sense. We are constantly asking why. We have to make sense of things. It's the uh, comprehension aspect of the self-determination theory. Okay, I'm, I won't go there. It's like We don't like open loops. Yes, it's a pillar of, of meaning in life. Right. You, you have to have some reasonable explanation for things. Which is why I offered that woman, I can give you an explanation as to why you're feeling that way. Mm-hmm. It's still going to help her be more self-aware and figure that out for her, like... Self-awareness is so important. It's so important. It's like the the thing you need to do anything else. Foundation. Yeah. And so that's, that's the... Amelia, when she was teaching us about meaning, she said, and I don't know whose information it originally is, but she said that some historian or archaeologist also calls us homo narrativus. The storytelling man. Think about the spoken word and story t- stories around the fire and tribal mm-hmm. legends and yeah. we communicate through stories. Everything was passed down verbally. Yeah, yeah. we have to tell through each memory. other. Yeah. Tell them cave paintings. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Think about, you could tell yourself anything. That's why religion exists. <laughs> like, like, that's how she tied in spirituality though. And that was the whole Kumare thing. Right. Like, like, you can tell yourself anything you want. You have to find resolve. Like, I've, with things I've experienced in my life, I've absolutely surrendered to the notion of it was their time to go. Because you can't make sense of it. So you just do the best you can. And you, like, I, I have, like, consciously chosen certain narratives for things that have happened in my life knowing I'm never going to really know and that's the best I'm going to do because hmm. if I tell myself another story and it's and then it, or leave it open or leave it open it, it goes back to, the, to your mind chatter because the stories you tell yourself is literally your internal dialogue so my friend kills himself my senior year of high school I could have done more to help save his life and I didn't because I didn't see the signs there's two stories I could tell myself that I've gone back and forth with. One of which, he was really suffering. It was his time to go. Someone was calling him. It was his time. It fucking sucks that he went the way he did, but how it was meant to be, and it was his time, and that's it. Yeah. I've chosen that narrative after a lot of years of choosing the other one, which was guilt, shame, blame. Yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah. Like, I, you can, like, 
you can. It's not healthy. I chose to choose another. I chose chose to choose. I chose another story. You have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like religion's very functional in a lot of ways. It's a, that's why it's such a that's why it's fucking cultish. That's why it's a thing. That's why there are religious zealots. That's why there are. There no, are no, pe- but it's also. That's not what I was getting at. I'm saying that's also why it's very useful, as in, like, Jordan Peterson type religious, where it's, like, a tie to a moral code. Mm. Like, it definitely goes to extremes, and people get fucking crazy and become zealots over it, right? But it's very useful. There's a... Charlie Munger has a saying, he's famous for mental models, mm-hmm. that... The mental model isn't, like, the value of a mental model isn't measured by its truth, but by its utility. And if you put religion to that scale, it checks out pretty damn well. You know? I just think it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. I, um... I, I could talk this out right now, which would be helpful. Yeah. I, so we're doing um, final checkouts tonight. For cash? Yeah. And I had this thought today. I was very serendipitous moment. Um, but I, I, I think I'm going to make some notes so I'm on track tonight. I tend to when I'm on the call. Um, you know what sucks that I realized when we were talking about positive sexuality? I... I do not do myself any favors when I'm speaking sometimes on the calls because I get so excited and so flustered in a good way that I talk really quickly and and then I, I will call out all of my flaws, which is something you don't ever fucking do when you're talking or presenting or anything because people normally don't notice. But I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm, like, I'm on a tangent, I'm speaking really fast, and, and that's, that's, that's just all I have to say. That's, that's, that's just it, I'm sorry. And everyone's like, you don't have to fucking apologize for talking, it's fine. I'm like, no, but like, this isn't, I, I sound like a babbling baboon, and I don't, <laughs> I don't give myself any credit, because I'm like, I promise I'm more intelligent than how I'm sounding right now. But anyway, I had this really serendipitous moment today, because um, <clears throat> Amelia's, I think the Flourishing Center's tagline is training the change agents of the world. Mm-hmm. So it's like the wonderful ripple effect. She she trains these positive psychology practitioners and then half of them throughout the course of the class take her coaching course, start a new business, quit their job. Like literally, there are people quitting their job, starting their own company, a handful of them are in the coaching course with intention to go that path. Like, a really good, more than a third of the people in that class are doing something different. And going on, a, a, two of us are, why I got married, another girl's engaged. Like, life has happened in this course mm-hmm. among these people, right? Yeah. So I was thinking, wow, her whole mission is to train the change agents of the world. And as a group we've learned and grown so much a lot of us are we're all taking leaps of faith in a different way but a lot of us are very actively carving out a new path for ourselves because the certification at least for me gave me the tools to realize that i have within me all that i need to do what I want to do, which is why I'm choosing not to get a PhD right now. It's a powerful fucking thing. But the the ripple effect that has so um so like Amelia's one cohort. There's been over seventy of them. Mm-hmm. We're at cap eighty four. Amelia's one cohort is deciding to also put this stuff into practice and to put it out there in the world. So the ripple effect that it has, she's literally, I mean, like, theoretically, not literally. I'm not, I won't be dramatic. She's theoretically actually doing what her 
her mission is. I would say it's pretty literal. Would you not? I mean, I, I guess. Yeah. But it's, it's such a beautiful, like, full circle thing. Because it also comes back to her. Mm-hmm. It's all her. Which is so ridiculous when you think about it. Think about this. There's some woman... There's some kid out there. Maybe maybe our age. Who... Whose mom... Told him about positive psychology. And she found out about it from her sister. Whose friend took cap like one of the think about how many of those things there are i know in the that's insane we learned about the power of connection and relationships and social networks and their relationship module and there's really strong research to suggest that your social networks like i'm talking friends of friends affect your happiness Mm -hmm. it's really powerful stuff i mean i just got the chills thinking about it it's so cool. And it was just, it was a beautiful, like, wow, this all makes sense. Because there's, like, for me, there's there's a, a spiritual component to it, too. Right. It's like, we're all one in this. And I don't know. It's just, it's like the... The, the um, macro reflects the micro, reflects the macro, right? Yeah. It's... Yeah. It's very cool. Like, depending on who you talk to. Uh, yeah. We all came from a common ancestor. The you amoeba. <laughs> It depends on if you believe in evolution or not. You came from the earth. You came from the earth. I know. I don't know where the earth came from. Outer space. Well, there's there's all kinds of crazy theories. I mean, we could, yeah. That's where, like, Big Bang and aliens and shit. Is there a God? Are we a simulation? The world may never know. The world may never know. Do you want to end on that note? Sure do. I got to prep for Horcat. Yeah. Bye, everybody. All you non-listeners out there.